Have you heard? 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 Welcome to Have You Heard. I'm Jennifer Berkshire. And I'm Jack Schneider. And Jack, rumor has it that you are at last back in the lower 48, although not in the first state. Yeah, that's right. And I am phoning it in right now, and I'll leave it up to you, Jennifer, to decide if that is a metaphor or a literal statement. (laughs) I'll leave it up to our listeners to decide. Well, Jack, (laughs) while you were on your extensive summer break, a lot of things happened. Uh, I, uh, beyond, uh, the fact that I survived grizzly attack, I'm not up on the news cycle. So you'll have to, uh, you'll have to update me. Do you like how I, I let our listeners experience in live time, just how rusty your skills are? <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And I have all the confidence in the world that you will not edit that out. Well, one of many things that happened while you were on your Alaskan sojourn was that LeBron James opened a school in Akron, Ohio. Did word of that make it up to parts where you were? Well, when I did get internet access, I had lots of emails from you, and uh, and I did learn about LeBron uh, from one of your missives up north. Well, the idea for this episode actually came from a listener response to a previous episode we did this summer. We had business journalist Andrea Gabor on to talk about her her new book about basically how school reformers have learned all the wrong lessons from business, and that the real key to continuous improvements in school is to establish a culture of trust. Uh, People really liked that episode, and we heard from a teacher in Dallas named Jeremy Jewett, and he said, you know, I'm excited about the LeBron School too, but the more I hear about it, the more I read about it, I wonder, is it really that different from other celebrity-led schools? It seems like, you know, there's, uh, there's maybe a lot going on that shares some of the cautionary tales from the top down reform lessons that we heard about in our in our episode with Andrea. I actually had a slightly different take on it. So I'm interested in this conversation because for me, it seemed like actually there are some pieces to this which uh, are not that different at all from a traditional public school or from a public school that is perhaps not entirely traditional, uh, but which is nevertheless uh, you know, pretty common. Uh, so, you know, seeing, for instance, that tuition was going to be free at this school, that that was a, uh, a bullet point, uh, making rounds on social media. Um, while all public schools are, are tuition free, the transportation was going to be free, the food was going to be free. Um, these are actually characteristics of most schools, uh, particularly schools that serve low income students. Uh, and so, you know, there's something interesting there about marketing and about what the public knows about how public schools actually operate. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to talk about the degree to which this school is different and the ways in which it is different. 
Well, to help us make sense of those questions, I've enlisted the help of someone who knows a lot about LeBron James and quite a bit about urban education as well. Rand Miller is the director of a 21st century after-school program in southern New Jersey and writes about the intersections of race, politics, education, and sports. Rand, thank you so much for joining us. As everyone in the world knows by now, LeBron James and his foundation are partnering with the public school district in Akron, Ohio to create a new school. I'm going to start by playing a brief clip from James speaking at the school's dedication a few weeks ago. As a kid from uh, Akron, Ohio myself, um, I remember walking these same streets. I remember walking North Street, West Market. I remember walking behind here on Crosby, going to Harris Elementary, uh, riding my bike throughout the rest of the city. Um, so when people ask me why, why a school, um, that's part of the reason why. Because I know exactly what these 240 kids are going through. Um, I know the streets that they walk. I know the trials and tribulations that they go through. I know the ups, the downs. I know everything um, that they dream about. I know all the nightmares that they have because, uh, because I've been there. Um, I know exactly what they're going through. So, you know, they're the reason why this school um, is here today. Rand, you've been following LeBron James's evolution as an athlete and as an activist. Help us make sense of how his decision to return to Akron and partner with the school district to open a school fits into that bigger picture. Well, I think it, it starts with... Um a seminal point in my mind is when he won his first championship when he was with the Miami Heat. I think his time with the Heat really um, gave him a, a comfort level of being able to speak about some of these things. Um, he talked about how he's a kid from Akron. He grew up poor. He grew up from humble beginnings. He shouldn't be where he was at the time, which was at the pinnacle of his sport. Um, as a multimillionaire, as someone who was the greatest player in the league. And so he had an understanding always about who he was and what his position was. During the Trayvon Martin um, debacle with regards to uh, how that whole thing was handled, it happened in close proximity to Miami. And he, with the other Miami Heat players, they staged a little uh, protest of themselves I would call it more of an awareness campaign, but they took a picture where they all wore hoodies. And it was really amazing at the time because they took a stance to say that they support Trayvon Martin and his family and that they were against what happened to him at the hands of George Zimmerman. There was also the case where LeBron James, along with other NBA players, for one night wore I Can't Breathe shirts. Um, it was a collaboration between the players and Jay-Z and all kinds of things, but they wore that in solidarity um, with the family of um, uh, Alton Sterling. This sort of activism is, is key for LeBron. He's always had his finger on the pulse, and I feel like because he understood his place as at the top of his sport, he had a responsibility really to come out and talk about a number of these issues. It may also have to do with the fact that he himself, he has three children, two uh, sons and a daughter. And uh, as much of these messages are going out to people, 
uh, he's speaking to his children as well. He has the same concerns that I have about my own children uh, growing up in America in a society where they could be killed just because of what they look like. I'm curious about what sort of message you think it sends that he decided to open a public school that's part of the Akron School District as opposed to, say, a standalone charter school. You've been telling us about LeBron James' political evolution. Was this a political decision, in other words? The fact that LeBron chose to go the public school route, the fact that he chose to invest in public schools is very refreshing for public school advocates, for uh, individuals who believe in the uh, importance of investing in public schools. And even um, scouring on Twitter and all kinds of things, there, there's been um, just cries of success and cheers for LeBron from even charter school folks, many of whom who happen to be African-American. Um, for many of us, the, the charter public issue for um, black folks tends to have more to do with the fact that are our children getting educated we do understand the idea about you know public funding, private funding, but we care about whether or not our kids are getting what they need. Jumping back to LeBron, I think the other important thing about his move is that he's investing in a public school. The monies that are going to his school are under the control of the district, and that's huge because at the very least, the residents of the district have a say-so in how that money is spent. Now, of course, LeBron's foundation isn't covering the entire tab. I believe anywhere from 75 to 80 percent of the tab is being covered by taxpayers. But of course, we're talking about a public school. That money is being funded primarily by the taxpayers, or taxpayers excuse me, as it should. Um, but the fact that he has chosen to go the route where there's local control of what's going on really speaks to the idea of this importance between um, private and public partnership. That's really what he's doing. Not to say that charters don't. I know that there is some, but not to the level that we're seeing where voters have an opportunity to elect people to school boards and the like that can engage with LeBron's foundation and sort of craft what it is that they expect that school to be in that community. I think that that is critically uh, important. Jack, I want to bring you back in here. Rand Miller just told us that LeBron James often has his finger on the pulse. You've been in the vacation equivalent of a sensory deprivation tank, meaning that you missed out on the intense reaction to James's decision to participate in Akron's public school system. Why do you think that matters? I think it's important just because it sends a message that what's going on in public education is not inherently problematic, that public schools are not run uh, by incompetence, that actually the deepest problems facing our schools tend to be, by and large, issues that students bring into the school with them uh, by virtue of living in a highly unequal society. Um, that obviously there are ways that schools can improve. There are ways that particular schools can improve because they have specific weaknesses, and there are ways that all schools can improve. Uh, but that if you want to get bang for the buck, uh, as perhaps LeBron wants, um, the best thing that you can do is ensure that kids uh, have their basic needs met, um, are motivated, right? That's one of the pieces that ensuring uh, 
free college tuition for them is designed to do, and which is actually modeled on the Kalamazoo promise. And I've seen very little in the coverage of LeBron's school, uh, which is called I Promise. And of course, the program in Kalamazoo was called the Kalamazoo Promise. I've seen very little in the coverage referencing the Kalamazoo program, uh, which provides free in-state tuition uh, to students in Michigan uh, um, who attend the Kalamazoo Public Schools. And uh, that's a program that has been around for over 10 years and which has had um, pretty strong uh, success uh, demonstrated through some research by folks at the Upjohn Institute and other places. Well, Jack, you've been away from the game um, for a little while, so perhaps you've forgotten how whenever you say something on the show, I always jump in and try to one up you with you know <laughs> some some direct you know connection. You cite James Scott's book. I've been to his farm. Well, I actually <laughs> I actually went to you played one on one. You played one on one with LeBron last night, didn't you? That well, that did not happen. Um, I had a brief foray into girls basketball in uh, I think it was fifth grade. It didn't go well. I um, actually went to Kalamazoo uh, last year as part of my travels through Michigan and, and met with some officials there to talk about the program. And you're right; no one has mentioned that that there have been these other efforts made and why they've been made. Because the idea in Kalamazoo was that that um, if you have a school district where all the kids are are poor and have high needs, it's kind of a recipe for disaster. And what if there were a way to ret- to attract new residents to Kalamazoo? So I haven't seen anybody talking about what this means for the future of Akron. I want to switch gears here a bit. Like a lot of people, I was really inspired by this story. I think it's a sign of how hungry we are for good news, or at least I am. But at the same time, I couldn't help but fix upon the fact that LeBron James' effort to lift his community up still puts all the onus on the school. The wraparound services are expansive, and they include things like GED classes for parents, but it's still an awful lot of expectations being heaped on a school. So I put this question to Rand Miller as someone who works within schools, but is also a fairly pointed critic of what the current system can accomplish. Here's what he had to say. Uh, so it feels like while this is a great story and, and, and LeBron deserves the um, credit for stepping into this light, as well as the Akron School District for partnering with him, um, it feels like we're going in circles, right? It feels like we're we're trying to do something and throw money here and have great programs here. And and I do think that the programs that he's doing here are great. The the GED program for parents, the scholarships for folks that graduate, um, giving away the bicycles. I think that that's awesome. All of that stuff is good. But again, if we as a nation are afraid of wrestling with the inherent racism that is through the bloodstream of how our institutions work, then we're not ready to have a critical discussion about how to improve education for all students in this nation. What do you think about that, Jack? Is the I Promise school destined to be a broken promise because we're asking a school to do more than it can realistically do? There obviously uh, is a problem with heaping undue expectations on public education. Uh, you know, schools can only accomplish so much. At the same time, 
you know, you can't solve all problems in one effort. Uh, you've got to bound the problem in some way. So if we're just talking about LeBron James and the Akron Public Schools, you know, it makes sense that the Akron Public Schools are focused on education. And, uh, you know, in this case, LeBron James bounded his project by saying that he was going to work directly with the schools. And he bounded it even further in a way that I think is really interesting, uh, which is that he said he's only going to work with one school, right, that this is going to be a kind of one-off project. Um, you know, who knows, there be maybe more uh, schools in Akron uh, that become a part of this program. Uh, but of course, they are working only with the University of Akron in terms of promising college tuition to students. And it does seem like it is a program targeted more at Akron than at education. It's just that the program has been bounded in terms of its focus on schools. Um, and I do think, again, that it's interesting that uh, LeBron is not trying to come up with a new model to be applied everywhere. And, of course, it wouldn't be LeBron coming up with it. It would be LeBron's dollars and ideology uh, and somebody else actually doing the work. Um, but it's actually a departure from the status quo in terms of high-profile, uh, you know, large-money school reform, where folks are either trying to work at the national level. Uh, so, you know, I'm thinking of the Gates Foundation here as the highest-profile example, or they are trying to work in a particular place, but with the long-term goal of replicating, uh, as they would say. And so I'm thinking of another high-profile case there. That would be the Chan Zuckerberg Foundation uh, and their work in Newark. So, you know, I, I think that it's true that education can't solve all of our problems. And when we believe that it can, we set ourselves up uh, to fail in a number of ways. But that, you know, it, ma it makes sense to keep your to keep your project bounded in some way. Um, and in this case, it's not just bounded to education. It's bounded to a particular city and a particular school. When I asked Rand that question, he made a very similar argument. He thinks that if LeBron James and his school are going to be successful, that LeBron needs to pursue a course that's really the complete opposite of the sort of top-down, consultant-driven reform that we saw in, say, Newark with Mark Zuckerberg and his big money gift. I asked him what kind of advice he would give to LeBron if he had the chance. And he said, basically, immerse yourself in the work at the most micro level possible. And to really give you the full effect, I asked Ran to answer my question as though he was talking to LeBron himself. To, to LeBron, I, I, I would say to you, sir, I think that what you did was awesome. I think that, um, that you have a, a care and a genuine passion for young people, particularly young people like yourself who grew up in the same sort of conditions. I think that you should really um, engage in the school. I'm not sure what your timetable is. I know you have a number of different projects going on, but take the time to engage at the school. Take the time to engage with not only the students, but the teachers, with the administration, with the families. Uh, immerse yourself into public education. For me as a public educator, I'm, I'm all about, you know, not just about what the money is doing, but what's the impact 
of the education that we're doing. Um, for me, I have a passion for black and brown children. I, as a teacher, I have a passion for um, teaching history and teaching the truth and empowering young people that they may be prepared for the lives that are uh, awaiting them outside. And certainly under this sort of climate that we live in, where children are afraid of possibly being hurt, being removed from their families, kids need to be empowered with the truth. Kids need to be empowered with the right information. And they need to be empowered by getting it, not just from people who care, but even people who look like them. And I think that the most powerful thing that a person like a LeBron James can do is he can see those things and not just put his money behind it, but put his influence behind it, get the weight of his social capital behind it, and really invest his his time and invest his efforts into making public education what it should be. Now, again, he can't save public education. It's not his job to save. However, I do believe that his little piece of work in this world of public education can go a long way for young people who um, can benefit and turn key that into careers for themselves and even give back to their own communities like LeBron did to his. Jack, what do you think of Rand's advice for LeBron James? Yeah, I think that that is good advice. And one of the things that LeBron James is no doubt being criticized here for, uh, right, trying to uh, enhance his star power through philanthropic works, I think actually is something that could play very much to the benefit of this school and the students there, which is that if people believe that the place they are is a special place, then it becomes one. Um, that this is one of the challenges of school, that you know we compel people to be there, we compel young people to go roughly 180 days a year, um, but that schools can really only succeed if they want to be there. Um, that in many ways, we force schools to be one-size-fits-all and generic because we want any student to be able to attend. But schools are only really truly successful when they are unique places that feel different from every other place. And so in LeBron lending his name to this school and perhaps lending some of his time, there's great potential to create some kind of unique school culture there to motivate students in some way. This is not to say that every student at the school will necessarily be a LeBron James fan or an L.A. Lakers fan, uh, as it's almost hard to say. Um, but uh, but there is something special there about feeling like, you know, you got to go to a unique school. This is something that I think is often overlooked in the conversations about school choice, the kind of psychosomatic effect of being able to say, I attend a school that not everybody gets to go to. Um, and that, of course, is something that every young person could say, because not every young person can attend any school. Um, despite the fact that traditional public schools are open to all students, right? They obviously do not serve all students. And so cultivating a kind of unique culture, a unique mission, a unique sense of place is something that all schools should be seeking to do. And this school has a kind of head start on that uh, in that they've got, you know, the, one of the biggest stars in the world uh, attached to the school. 
I think that's part of what makes this story both inspiring, but also a little frustrating. That on the one hand, you can totally see why a lot of students would be thrilled to attend a LeBron James school. But the cynic in me also worries about the potential for abuse. That putting a star athlete's name on a school plays right into the rise of school branding and advertising that we've talked about quite a bit on this show before. But for now, I'm willing to concede that I am outnumbered. When I put the same question to Rant, he said that if he'd had the chance to attend this school as a kid, well, here, I'll let him explain it. Oh, man, I would have loved it. I would have loved it. If Allen Iverson built the school in Camden, I would have wanted to go. I do think for kids that are at risk, um, the extra oomph of going to a school that has LeBron James' name on it might be enough to get them motivated to actually learn. It's not to say that, you know, LeBron James will motivate all kids to learn and that that's enough, but it's just, a, you, you, everybody needs a little boost. And if going to a LeBron James school gives the kid incentive to actually try and learn because they don't want to let LeBron down, I really don't see a problem with that. That was Rand Miller. He writes about the intersections of race, politics, education, and sports for the Progressive Magazine, among other publications. Always worth reading, in my opinion. And Jack and I will be back to wrap things up and discuss another basketball player with an interest in public education who's been in the news lately. Can you guess who I'm talking about? I have to say that, um, Jack, I expected that you would be much more critical of this than I'm, I'm hearing. You sound um, positively bullish. Well, I'm, I'm rested from a, a vacation and, uh, and also a little bit jet lagged. So I am simultaneously both credulous and bleary eyed. But um, I will say that LeBron James sends his own son, Bronny to a private school in Los Angeles, which charges tuition of upwards of $40,000 a year. So if you want to look for ways to be critical, that's one, uh, that there's a big difference between um, putting your money someplace and then actually putting your child someplace, um, that this is one of the you know most powerful kinds of response to any kind of reform, which is would you send your own kid there? Would you do it for your own child? Um, you know, I would say there's also something there in terms of uh, a potential criticism um, that, you know, it, it is easy to uh, plunk down some money for one particular school, despite the fact that, you know, schools do improve one school at a time, uh, that there are 50 million students out there in schools, um, and that if we've got somebody who has perhaps the biggest star power in the United States, there may be other ways, if he was truly interested in serving young people, there may be other ways to do that uh, that would perhaps make a bigger impact. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely sure that sitting on the sidelines and uh, carping and firing pot shots at LeBron James over something that, you know, at least seems on its face to be a pretty good faith effort to make a difference in one place uh, is necessarily a productive thing to do. I'm going to pronounce that you have returned from your extended summer sojourn a changed man. (laughs) We'll see how long it lasts. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to have you back, however temporary your transformation may be. And um, I can't wait to the day when you return to the Have You Heard podcast studio.
Uh, well, Jennifer, it is nice to be back. I'm, uh, again, using air quotes that you can't see here, uh, since I'm not entirely back, either in terms of my ability to function or in terms of my geographical location. But I am inching closer. You can track me just like you can track Santa online uh, on the Internet. You can track me. I'll be back soon. And, uh, and our listeners, in the meantime... Uh, can suggest any future episodes that they're interested in us doing. They can give us friendly or constructive feedback uh, via the Twitter handle at Have You Heard Pod. Uh, and uh, what's the best way for them to show their love to us? Why, with their wallets, of course. <laughs> they can go to <laughs> patreon.com and search for Have You Heard and become one of our monthly supporters. That will help us keep the pod going, uh, help us travel around and do some more on-the-ground reporting, and help us expand our reach. And as regular listeners know, um, part of the, one of the treats you get for being a Patreon supporter is that when once everyone else has had to stop listening to the episode, you get to journey with us into the weeds for some extensive, some additional reading aspect of the show. And today we're actually going to be talking about another basketball player with an interest in education. That would be Arnie Duncan, who has a new book out. And for those living on a fixed income or who have a little bit less faith in the quality of the show, uh, you can find us on iTunes, give us a review, preferably a five-star review. That makes it easier for other people to find the show. Until next time, I'm Jennifer Berkshire. And I'm Jack Schneider. This is Have You Heard. Have You Heard.